what's up dog to you i'm just like i got this invite in my email and i'm down here working i'm just i'm just showing up i don't know what you want you just want what do you want i just wanted you to show up welcome to together for salem i'm mona Katz. This is Dog. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron and Monica. We're your right. hosts for this episode, episode 28 of Together yeah. for Salem. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching us wherever you're watching us, however you're watching. Maybe you're listening on the podcast. Um, we're just glad you're here with us. If you're new, fill out the welcome form. Uh, there's a website there for you on the screen. And it's we will be send down there. you right down there. We'll send you a free e-gift card just for saying hello. And yeah, we're just glad you're joining us for Church at Home. You got Aaron, how are you doing? True, I'm all right. It's kind of dark in this basement. My shirt's super bright though, which is great. I can see it, it says Saxons on it. <laughs> it does, yeah, we're representing uh, South Salem High School today. We have we have a kid there, well, virtually. Represent. But, so we have uh, something to give away this week. Speaking of South Salem, on 12th Street, there's an awesome seafood market called Fitz seafood yeah i was gonna make a joke about something about being in fits about the seafood <laughs> you but would I'll skip that <laughs> even though i just did and our winner this week is helen c s s yeah <laughs> helen s i was so close though but helen s you're gonna go get some seafood and i'm super envious so nice work uh we give stuff away because god loves to give things away to us and He's generous, and so we like to turn around and do that, and also support our local businesses, or the local biz, as people like to say. Does anyone say that? Yeah, you do. you've we said totally that. Totally say that. Local biz. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, okay, let's talk about the next giveaway after John talks. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna transition yeah. now. Yeah. So we're congratulations, Ellen. Helen S. We're gonna yeah. transition though to John. Do you know what he's talking about this week? Do I know what he's talking about this week? Yeah just showing up showing up yeah okay all right <laughs> let's let's do a fancy transition over to john are you ready yeah you do your fancy transition i'll do mine here okay, to go ready? if you are trying to learn a new skill like uh, fishing or building a house or painting, or the art of karate. What would be the best way to learn that? Going, reading a book about it? You're like, okay, these are, these are the right moves that I need to do to do my, my crane kick. I don't even know if that's a real karate move. I've just seen Karate Kid. But, uh, or go to a TED Talk about, hey, this is how you shade in the right way. I don't paint either. But this is how you shade properly to make a, a great painting. Or, you know, would you... Would you read articles about it or um, just, you know, just kind of watch a show about it? Would, is this the right way to build a house? It's probably not the best way to learn, right? In fact, going to a TED talk about how to paint, unless you're like really into it, sounds pretty boring. Like a, a, a waste of time, right? If you wanted to learn these things and really do it, you would go and do it with somebody who's, who's an expert, somebody who has experience, somebody who could, teach you how to do it. You would go and do it yourself and learn. Well, have you ever been bored at church? 
Or if you're a Jesus follower and you've been one for a while, have you ever kind of, you don't have to say it out loud, you're just watching a screen, nobody knows what you're gonna, that you're gonna agree to this, but you ever kind of just felt bored with Christianity? Felt bored maybe with, with religion? I think one of the reasons that that happens, and I think it happens to most of us, is that often we think faith or we think of following Jesus really is just sitting and learning about God. And, you know, sitting and learning about God and trying really, really hard not to do bad things and trying to stay out of trouble until, until we get to go to heaven. And sometimes we keep ourselves so busy, so busy sitting and learning that, you know, we don't even have time to go do bad things or even meet people that would con- or tempt us to do bad things. I think often we see church, we see religion as, as a way to kind of stay safe and, and keep us good until, you know, we finally die and we, we get to go to heaven for our reward for, for staying safe and, and kind to each other. That thinking, that idea of faith, of what it means to follow Jesus, it's actually dangerous. And see, in good times, it's, it might not seem dangerous. It might just, you know, what it produces is kind of bored. Go to a church service and do that once a week. It's kind of a, a, just a routine. And people, some people love that. Other people are just kind of bored with that type of religion. Uh, sometimes it just makes us too busy to even really enjoy life. We're so busy going from, from one sitting and learning experience to another sitting and learning experience to another sitting and learning experience. And it just makes us ineffective can't really do the stuff that we read about other people doing while we are, the things we learn while we're sitting and learning. We don't get to actually go do it ourselves. But in bad times, in uh, times when life gets to be real, when life becomes real life, it's very dangerous because I think this type of faith falls apart. It, it leaves us almost frozen with fear, leaves us almost... Uh, petrified with anxiety and anger, paralyzed with this longing for for how life used to be and just waiting for that to come back instead of saying, hey, what can we do now? And when that happens, our faith stops growing. It It even begins to die because we really haven't built a faith that we can actually use when life gets real. Why? Because We've never actually experienced God coming through for us in a personal way. Yeah, there was that time when you prayed that the light would be green and then it turned green. You're like, oh, thank you, God. Or you wanted that parking spot up front because it was raining so much and you had the kids in the car and you had to get the groceries and the parking spot was there. And you felt like, oh, God, came through for me. And maybe we've only heard about God coming through or read about God coming through for others, but we've never really experienced it ourselves. So when things do finally get difficult for us, as they do even in normal years, we don't have a lot to fall back on because we don't, we don't know for sure if God actually will come through for us because we've never experienced God coming through for us personally. Is he going to show up? We don't know because we've never put our faith to work because we've never actually had to use it. And a faith that isn't used isn't grown. If we don't use our faith it never grows. It's like a muscle. If you don't use your muscle, it never grows. So a faith that isn't used isn't grown. So what if we took some steps now to grow our faith? What if we did some work now to build our faith? And that's why we're doing this series, which is called Let's Be Real, Really Developing a Real Life for a Real World. Like, really? And so we've. this is episode three. We've gone through 
two ideas so far, two practical ideas of ways that we can uh, grow and live out faith. Talked about private disciplines of praying, reading scripture, uh, giving our stuff away. Last episode, we talked about applying the things that we're learning, applying what we've learned about Jesus from what we've read in the scriptures. And so what we're going to talk about in this episode is, okay, those are great. And you gave us ways to live out our faith. But like, what does that look like? Like, how do we do that now? How do we actually make those steps happen? And before we really dive in, I want you to know that developing our faith, it can be uncomfortable. In fact, if we feel comfortable in our faith, we're probably not growing it. Just like if you feel comfortable at the gym, you're probably not building your muscles. And it might feel different than what we're used to because that's, if we haven't grown our faith much, it is going to be different. And as a Jesus follower, I think we need to get used to different. And growing our faith can be dangerous at times because growing real faith doesn't happen just by safely sitting and listening to teachings. Real faith is developed in the real world. And the real world is not a safe place. In fact, I think that's why Jesus, when he came and he, he basically blew up religion and started a new movement of following him and what he taught and who he was and, and just changing humanity. That's why he didn't just start a school, didn't just start a, a new Jewish synagogue, because his idea wasn't about just sitting and learning things. What he did, he chose 12 men and then a larger group of 72, but 12 um, a core group of 12 men to walk around with him in ancient Israel and to experience real life, like real on-the-job faith training. In fact, he actually set them up for this real-world experience a few times. Uh, one of the clearest examples is actually also one of Jesus' most famous miracles. It's the reason why the Christian symbol is a fish, actually. It's it's this miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And if, if you're watching, you're like, man, the, the miracles, are you serious? That doesn't happen in real life. First of all, I get it because they don't happen. That's kind of the point of miracles, right? That's why they are so shocking. But you don't have to believe miracles actually happen to see the, the point of this, uh, this, this story. The reason I believe this actually happened is because it's an eyewitness account. It's a historical account and there's witnesses and we see a few angles of this in different eyewitnesses. So, but you don't have to believe this miracle happened to actually see what it means to have and grow faith. So here's the story. John the Baptist, this very um, famous preacher, maybe a relative of Jesus, is executed by Herod, the king of the area at the time. Executed by Herod and Jesus, kind of affected by this probably, is this guy that he, he knew and who baptized him had his head cut off. And so he goes off with his disciples to kind of get some alone time and to process things and maybe help them process things. But the crowds that are always following Jesus, they find them. And instead of Jesus saying, get out of here, or just give me a break, he starts healing their sick and starts teaching them. And that's where this, this story picks up. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. And it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. A lot of times the disciples, these 12 guys, they get a bad rap. Like, oh, they, they never had faith. They were living. They walked with Jesus. They heard him teach. They saw miracles and they still didn't really believe. But look at this. We always focus on send them away. But 
why did they want them to why did they want Jesus to send them away because they were hungry these guys saw a need they were actually caring about these people they were being they were being thoughtful these people needed to eat they needed to go support the local economy and buy some food which is something if you have the funds would be really good to do right now is to support our local economy so these disciples they see a need they see that these people are hungry they they want to listen to you but that things are starting to rumble in the tummy and they care and they want these people to be fed. Like many, many of you, you're good people. You're great people. You see needs in the world and you, you, want, you have a heart for it. You have a desire that people are helped. And we, we say someone needs to do something. We care about this and we post on social media and we, and we talk to our friends about it. someone needs to do things, something about this. And so we try to change our government so things are done about it. We, we, we write letters to, to politicians. We say, hey, the church, we, we get emails saying we need to do something about this or our schools need to teach kids better about these things. Someone needs to do something. And here was Jesus's answer to this very thoughtful um, idea from the disciples who saw a need. <laughs> but Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. <laughs> Jesus is probably saying, someone needs to do something. You're right. Someone does need to do something. In fact, I see 12 someones right here. If you're a parent and uh, you and your partner had a baby and uh, in those diaper years, maybe you played a little game of finders keepers. Right? When, when you find the diaper is dirty, you don't say, hey, the baby needs a change. No, you found it. You get to take care of it. It's kind of this, the same idea. Jesus says, hey, you found this need. Maybe you need to take care of it. God's opened your eyes to this need. Why don't you be the someone to do something? And it's kind of the same thing God says to us now. You see needs around you. You care about things around you. You are passionate about these issues. Maybe... We're the someone. See, following Jesus means you are the someone who needs to do something. Following Jesus means that we are the someone who needs to do something. And so when Jesus said that, he said, you know, that isn't necessary. You feed them. He's looking at, like, this is a crowd of 5,000 people, more than 5,000 people. It's 5,000 men. You also have women and children. He's looking at this crowd and these 12 guys. He's like, you feed them. Because he knows they can't do that. He knows what they're about to say, and he also knows what he's about to do, and it's going to really increase these guys' faith. And so the disciples reply to him, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. But Jesus, like, look around you. This is a huge crowd of people. How are we going to feed them? We don't have the money for this. We left everything to follow you, and now you're telling us to somehow feed these people? That's impossible. That's a lot of food. Have you ever tried to throw a party for like 50 people? We've done uh, a few church potlucks and that's not just something you throw together or a barbecue. You don't just throw that together. You prepare and you spend money on these things. And you're saying, oh no, no, you're in the middle of nowhere. You feed them. You ever see needs around you? You say, I wish I could do something, but I don't have the resources. Yeah, if I was like a billionaire, I would totally just take care of all these problems. And why don't those billionaires do it? But I can't, I don't, I don't have those resources. I can't fix this problem. I don't have the education to put something together. I don't have the time or the training. And honestly, like I'm just one person. What, what difference can I make? And if you think that's a good, those are good reasons. I'm not gonna judge you for that. I mean, I, I say the same thing. 
See, we, I think we often really have good reasons for not doing something. At least we think they're good reasons. And so the disciples say, how are we going to feed all these people? All we have is five, five loaves and two fish. And, I'm, and so Jesus says, hey, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Never mind. That's impossible. <laughs> what was I thinking? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. No, I think Jesus puts down his beard and he says, all right, time for, time for some on-the-job training. And here's what he does. They say, uh, we only have five loaves and two, bre- two fish. Jesus says, bring them here. Pastor says, bring them here, he said. He said, hey, give me what you have. Cool, that's great. You have five loaves and two fish. Bring them here. It may not be enough for you to do anything with. It may not mean much in your hands. So watch how this is going to work from now on. You're used to seeing like, here's what I have. Here's what I can do. Now things have changed. I'm here. I'm going to be with you always. Here's how things are going to work now if you follow me. He's saying, when you trust me with what you have, you can trust me to come through. See, I think, in fact, I know God asks us to do what we can't do so that he can show us what he can do. God asks us to do what we can't do so that he can show us what we can't, what he can do. And so here's where the story kind of reaches the climax. Then he told the people, Jesus told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples, who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up twelve baskets of leftovers. About five thousand men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. That's crazy. That doesn't happen. That's why it was recorded in the eyewitnesses' accounts, because like this means something. This is a big deal. But notice this, with this miracle, right? This is Jesus, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Well, who fed the people? Jesus made the food happen, but who actually handed it out? See, Jesus didn't tell the disciples, hey, uh, you know, good, you, look, you can't really do much, so sit down, watch this, right? Sit down, you know how you can help me? You can help me by staying out of the way. No, he didn't do that. Jesus could have made the bread just appear in people's laps. Like, that would have been probably even more amazing, right? Like People are just like, hey, look at that! And then they look down, and there's now food in their lap. Like, how did that happen? He could have, he's just been healing all their sicknesses. He could have just healed their hunger pains and said, be filled! And they were now full. He didn't do that. See, God usually chooses to show love to people through other people. God usually chooses to show love to people through other people. See, the disciples were used as a vital part of meeting these people's needs. He used them to show his love to these people. Jesus had already asked them, saying, hey, you feed these people. Ask them to help these people. But they realized they didn't have enough to do that themselves. And so Jesus basically said, just give me what you have and go do what I've asked you to do. And just watch what happens. I mean, it wasn't like he prayed and then it was all these baskets of food he had to break it break it break it and as they're passing it there's more and more that keeps coming they had to trust him that that was that he was going to come through that he wasn't just gonna you know stop at 2500 but everybody ate their fill isn't it funny that there's 12 baskets because there's 12 disciples <laughs> he's basically saying you get the point 
It doesn't matter how much you have. If I tell you to do it and you trust me to do it and you have the faith to step out, even if you think it's going to fail, there's always going to be enough. See, when we give Jesus what we have, he makes it more than enough. When we give Jesus what we have, the little bit that we have, he always makes it more than enough. And so do you think this, this event, this day, changed the disciples' faith at all? Do you think it grew it maybe just a little bit? See, seeing God use what we have and seeing God do what we couldn't do on our own, it grows our faith. <clears throat> and remember, a, like we said, a faith that isn't used isn't grown. Like a muscle, a faith that isn't used isn't grown. To use our faith doesn't mean we, we just go to our church service, which are great. doesn't mean we just go to our Bible studies, which are great. doesn't mean we just hang out with our Christian friends, who are great. To use our faith, we have to do things that force us to rely on God. Nothing grows our faith like having to rely on God. Nothing grows our faith like putting ourselves in a situation where we have to rely on God. See, like we said, a faith that's all just sitting and learning, at best, it's boring. Jesus' little brother James calls it pointless. Calls it useless. He even calls that type of faith dead. Jesus didn't come and die so that we could sit safely in our in our four walls with the people that we, we know and love and trust and just wait for him to take us to heaven. Giving Jesus what we have in order to minister to others, in order to help others, forces us to be consciously dependent on God. It's like this. God says, hey, I want you to minister to, to that person, or I want you to help that person. And we say, well, God, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not rich enough. I'm not prepared. I'm not smart enough. Where God says, you're right, you're not smart enough. And you're not rich enough. And you don't know enough. And you haven't been prepared. And you've never done this before. Just bring me what you have. Along with your insecurities. Along with your fears, because he already knows them. Just bring me what you have. And watch what happens. And we say, okay, well, you're God, so I guess I should do this. But if you don't show up, this is going to be a disaster. To which God says, yeah, you're right. Now let's go. <laughs> See, and then we step. And then he shows up. And we learn to trust him more and more. The more we step out, the more he shows up, the more we realize we can trust him. The more we use our faith and where we are forced to rely on him, the more we see he will show up. It doesn't get easier to do, but we start becoming comfortable being uncomfortable. Start getting used to the idea that, you know, he hasn't failed me yet, so let's try this one more time. We will never feel equipped enough, ever. Abraham didn't, never felt equipped enough. Moses didn't feel ready. Joshua, Gideon, read the story of Gideon. That is a great story in the Old Testament, the book of Judges. How the, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says, Hail, mighty warrior. And this guy's hiding in a wine press trying to get the wheat and all that. He wasn't a mighty warrior. He didn't know how to fight. He didn't know anything. He wasn't ready. The disciples obviously weren't ready. The apostle Paul wasn't prepared yet. But God said, do something. Step. Trust me. Give me what you have and watch what happens. It's happened to me before. When I was uh, younger, in my 20s, 
I had never led a Bible study or a group or anything, but somehow I ended up leading a high school boys small group. And I, I wasn't ready. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just said, God, okay, if that's, if that's what you want me to do. And we started meeting, we started hanging out and uh, it, it changed my life. I, I think it changed their lives. Uh, some of them are d- doing amazing things with families and being great husbands and fathers and working for God, for the ministry, helping other people. But it wasn't what I did. In fact, I remember one time one of the kids called me 10 o'clock at night, had just gotten in a fight with his parents. And I'm like, what do I know? I don't have kids, right? I'm like 22, 23. And I go over there and he's sitting on his front step and he comes, sits in the car. This is pre-COVID. And he just tells me what's going on. I'm like, you know, God doesn't give us, a teacher doesn't give you a test until they've, they've taught you the lesson, right? He's like, well, yeah. I said, this is a test. God's taught you the lesson. You can handle this. You're ready for this because God doesn't give you tests that he hasn't taught the lessons to. I had never thought of anything like that in my life. Like that was not my words coming out of my mouth. But then he said, okay, yeah. And he, he went in did what we talked about. And his mom was like, oh my gosh, what a different kid. That wasn't me. That was God using me. But that taught me that all we have to do is bring what we have and show up. Is that a safe life to live that way? To put ourselves in situations where we have to rely on God? <laughs> no. But whoever said anything about this being safe? See, we were created for more than a safe life. We were created to save lives. We were created for way more than a safe life. We were created to actually save lives. In fact, here's what Paul says in Ephesians. For we, Jesus followers, are God's masterpiece. Think about that. Think of everything God's created. And we are his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can be safe and comfortable and have a good life. No, there's a reason. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. He created us anew for a reason. So that we can love others through him. So that we can change lives through him. So that we can allow him to use what we have to save others. And so that's why uh, if you are a Cross Creek person, you've been with us for a while. And we've talked about contributing uh, helping on a, a service team. That's why we had that idea of contributing. Not that this was your way of ministering and this is all you have to worry about. No, that was training for real life. When you're a greeter, greeting new people, being the first smile people ever had at a church, that was bringing all that you had and trusting that God would show up. When you, when you helped with the kids' environments, when you helped with music, when you helped uh, even cleaning and saying, oh, I don't know if I have time for this, but then you, you show up. You realize, oh no, God does come through. He does make things happen that I can do this well, even in ways I never thought of. And that wasn't the the end goal to be on a church service team. The church service team was teaching us how we can rely on God to show up. And so that's why we did that. It stretches us. It even scares us. But we get used to experiencing God work through us. And when we experience God work through us, when we experience God changing lives through us, it changes our lives and it grows our faith. See, if we want to see God show up, we have to show up with what we have. We can't just sit back and be like, God, someone needs to do something. Come on, where are they? God, you need to come through. If we want God to show up, we have to show up with what we have. And so what do we do? 
How do we put this into our life right now? Well, if you're serious about this, if you're serious about growing your faith, I'm going to invite you to do something that probably seems pretty harmless. And if you're not a Jesus follower, I think you can still try this. If you're like, you know what, that, I, don't, I want to at least see what this is like. I want you to try something that doesn't seem that harmless, and it's to pray. But not just pray, dear Jesus, thank you for you for our food, amen. No, I want you, if, if this is just about this, I'm going to invite you to pray one of the most dangerous prayers you can pray. Here's what it is. I got a three-step plan for you. The first step is this. Pray, Father, what do you want me to do with what I have? What do you want me to do with what I have? Why is that dangerous? Because he might show you. He might actually answer that and show you what he wants you to do. And you might feel like you're not ready for it, or you can't afford it, or you don't have the time for it, or you don't have the education for it. That's okay. Then you have step two. And it's listen. Pray, Father, what do you want me to do with what I have? And then you have to listen. And it's not just in that moment, what do you want me to do with what I have? Oh, good, he didn't say anything. I'm safe. <laughs> no. You have to have your eyes open to the world. See, what is it that, that you put on my heart that I can be a part of helping? Maybe read the scriptures. We, ch we uh, challenged last week to read either Matthew 5 through 7, read the book of James or 1 John. I think those three, again, would be great after we pray, what do you want me to do with what I have? Read those. That can help open our eyes to needs around us. Maybe even journal some ideas that you have and, and pray over those for a week or two. And he might only tell you one step at a time. In fact, he probably will. That's usually how it works. What do you want me to do? And he says, take this step. Yeah, but how's it going to get me? Don't worry about how's it going to get you there. I asked you to take this step. Do you trust me enough to take that step? Then we'll worry about the next and the next and the next. And we look back and say he's been preparing us all this time for what he really wants us to do. Step one, pray. Step two, listen. Step three, then we just need to show up. Once he shows us what he wants us to do, even if it's just one little step, then we actually need to show up. We need to give him what we have and watch him use it. Are we supposed to take care of every need we see around us? So our eyes are open, we're praying, God, show me what I need. And we, we see uh, all these different needs, especially right now, hurricanes and fires and um, people who are hungry that are, have just always been around us. Are we supposed to fix all that? How could we? No, you're not the only person God's wanting to use. He's wanting to use you for your specific purpose that he prepared for you in advance. Let others worry about what they need to worry about. And so when you see a need, how do you know that's your need you're supposed to take care of? Well, you ask, what do you want me to do with this? Let's take a real world. You see somebody on the corner asking for money who obviously needs help. What do you want me to do? The answer will usually be one or more of these three things. Pray for them, give to them, or get involved. Sometimes he just wants you to pray so that the other person who's supposed to give or get involved will be obedient to what they need to do. And sometimes it's our job to get involved. God, what do you want me to do? Pray, give, and or get involved. So you ever been bored at church? Ever been bored with Christianity or religion? It's okay, you're safe to admit that. Or maybe right now you feel overwhelmed, powerless, maybe paralyzed 
with fear or an anxiety. You, you feel like you can't move forward because you just keep wishing for what's behind us. We weren't promised safety. Jesus never said, hey, follow me and it is going to be so sweet. I'm not going to have to worry about anything. Life's just going to be perfect. Be smooth sailing from there on. He never said that. He said it's going to be dangerous, but he promised us purpose and he promised us peace even in the face of death. And so let's live real life with real faith. When we show up with what we have, God shows up with what he has, which is always more than enough. Real faith is developed when we see the real God really use us in the real world. Real faith is developed when we see the real God really use us in the real world. So are you ready? No? Perfect. Let's go. Hey, welcome back. Pray, listen, and show up. Thank you, John, for that. Speaking of listening and showing up, uh, this week's giveaway, this is so fun, we get to give away. My, I'm actually really proud to call this guy my friend, Dave Pluster of Causewagon, uh, has some awesome shirts. They're I Heart Oregon tree shirts. And uh, the money from those, all the proceeds from the sale of these shirts goes to help our neighbors who have suffered in the fires up in the Sanium Canyon and all the piece of people that have been displaced by that, which is a lot of people and a lot of people have lost a lot. So that's one way that you can show up for these people this week is, well, basically comment on the social meads and you get yourself a free t-shirt. They've got men's cut and women's cut. You can also pick gray or green. And uh, we wanna thank Dave for doing that because he's not making any money off it and he's teaching right now and making like a bazillion shirts. So that's and cool. Stickers. Thanks Dave. And, oh, he's making stickers too? Yeah, this last week he just released some really cool like holographic stickers of the Isle of Oregon tree design. Oh so. my gosh, so I need one of those too. Great. Yeah. All right, what else we'll do put, the people need to know, Mrs.? We'll put links to the um, that stuff in the, the show notes, but that will be our giveaway this week. So keep an eye on social media, the social needs, Excellent. as Aaron said. Um, so just a couple more things. Uh, we've got some questions that are gonna be coming up here. So those are discussion questions meant for people to process the information and um, take this listening to people talk um, and putting it into action. So mm -hmm. love questions coming up on the screen. You can do that, those questions in your connect group, if you're in a connect group or just with a buddy or journal it. Um, but that's just a great way for you to, to process the info. Um, if you have kids, we have kids stuff on our website, check that out. Um, if you want to give to Cross Creek, uh, there's a donation link also in the show notes and you can access those show notes on the YouTubes in the description. I don't know if people know that. And then if you're listening on the podcast, we have all those uh, links there too. And every week we have songs, three songs that we listen to while making this episode. Oh yeah. And I always pick one and John picks two of the songs. And yeah. Week, I didn't tell you this, babe, but I keep thinking because I'm, you know, we're on Zoom a lot with the kids in their classes for school. Good job, Salem Kaiser, you're doing great. Um, we're trying. Trying, you're doing we're it. Trying we're all so figuring it out. But it keeps, is this the real life? Keeps coming into my head. Uh -oh. Like, is this, the, is this the real life? Or is this oh, just is fantasy? This just fantasy? <laughs> so if you wanna listen to Bohemian Rhapsody, it's linked, because that's my song for the week. Like That is funny. I thought you were gonna pick a Queen song, but I was gonna, 
with the Zoom thing, I thought you were gonna go bicycle. Oh. Yeah. It's kind well, of another. Just, yeah. Isn't it? Don't they say Zoom Zoom in that song? I don't Probably. Know. Now I, we'll go listen later. We'll go check That's it pretty out. good. Hey, I got the right band. Wrong song, but right band. That's pretty good. That is good. That pretty is good. good. So, yeah. uh, that's all we've got for today. Yeah. Yeah. So, check us out next week if you guys um, click you know, like and subscribe and all those wonderful things Hit the notification bell. You'll be notified when new episodes um, come into your channels or your news feeds or however you're watching it. But thank you for watching. And thanks those for, will just thanks show for spending some time on the Zoom with me. This is, it, yeah. Yeah, you've you're been welcome. Zooming I'm all insane. day, but yeah, here you are with yeah. me. Thank you. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. You're welcome, okay. babe. I'm ending this meeting. Oh, For okay, all. well, let's go upstairs and say hi then. For all. Hi, everybody's thinking about Carter right now. If you were watching Cobra Kai. I'm thinking of Jam from Parks and Rec. A karate. Oh. <laughs> Habache.